Welcome to the official Guns Up Nation fan page podcast, the premier voice for the fearless fans of Raiderland and proud supporter of Texas Tech University. Let's meet today's hosts. Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm RC Maxfield alongside Tobias Bass for another installment of the Guns Up Nation podcast here on the Facebook page, Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening to podcasts. We appreciate it. Tobias Bass is down in H-Town. Tobias, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm just very hungry. So as soon as we finish this, I'm going to make you something to eat. I have no idea what I'm going to make, but I'm going to rummage through that kitchen to find something. Yeah, I haven't eaten today either. I think I'm just going to have some grapes. Um, Grapes are good. Yeah, see, here's the thing. Um, I'm working at the golf course. For those who know, I live in Hobbs, New Mexico right now. Uh, Typically, I work at the core, the rec center here. But right now, they have me relocated at the golf course. And the golf course device has a kitchen. And they have like a grill out there. And I'd be telling you, I'd be spending too much money at that thing. It's it's a death trap, man. I tell you what, they have the best chicken wrap I've ever had in my entire life. No joke. I don't know what they do to it. It's delicious. Only place in town that has dumplings. Mm. And I love yeah, me a good dumpling. So I mean, I don't even say sometimes uh, a lot of the time I miss like, you know, being in the media at tech because they did feed us yeah. pretty well. Um, Absolutely. Like, you know, before game day. Before game days, I was just like, got out of that many things, but I was like, good Lord. I just missed like those snacks, especially um, baseball. Those little snacks they have in there. Oh, yeah. Good Lord. Like, I, like, I used to be in there. I used to pack up a little to-go bag every time because they had like, they had all types of stuff. I mean, I know sometimes they probably got sick of me going back and forth, but when you have just a buffet of just snacks, and I'm a kid at heart. I don't really know what you want with it. Then they used to give us like uh, chicken, burgers. Um, it was good all stuff. All that. Yep, good stuff. Some good, some good stuff in there. But yeah. I, I miss those days. Yeah, no, I, I definitely miss the free food. Um, definitely, uh-huh. definitely miss that. Uh, no doubt. On today's show, though, we're going to talk about the tragic passing of Tommy, Mr. Red Raider McVeigh, and his impact on Texas Tech football. We'll also discuss the Big 12 announcing that they will play football in fall 2020 and what that means for capacity rates in Jones AT&T Stadium. Also discuss the new positives and negatives for Texas Tech and their new outlook on the Big 12 schedule and also the NCAA announcing that there will be no fall championships and what impact that will have on soccer and volleyball, more specifically soccer, since they are projected to finish first in the Big 12 this year. So we're going to start on a little bit of a somber note. Tommy, Mr. Red Raider McVeigh did pass away this past week. He had been part of the football program for nearly a quarter century. 24 years would have been, this year would have been his 24th year. Um, Tobias, his impact has been very well put on social media from very prominent members of Texas Tech football, other media members, just everybody telling their Tommy McVeigh story. Um, I know that you mentioned off air that you hadn't met him, but just seeing the you know, waves of support on social media, you can definitely tell that Tommy McVeigh had a lasting impact on the football program. Yeah, I know it is, um, you know, cool to see everyone that he's impacted. You know, he was there for five head coaches, starting from Dykes to uh, Coach Wells. So that's a lot of players, former coaches, you know, he's been involved with. Um, you know, he was a li- liaison between Tech and the NFL. He found uh, Wes Welker and, you know, he became a Super Bowl champion. So it's kind of Cool to see his impact on tech. You know, I never, like I said, I never got a chance to meet him, but I know that his memory will last um, for for generations, for a lifetime. 
Yeah, no, I had the pleasure of meeting him one time. It was just a quick encounter. Um, it was my first season as a media member for Texas Tech football. And this man with just perfect hair, slicked back. You've seen the pictures of him, Tobias. Just perfect slicked back hair. Um, walks up to me and he's like, how are you doing, son? And I'm like, I'm good. And he was like, are you part of the media? And I'm like, yes, sir, I am. He's like, oh, well, well who do you work for? And I was like, KTXT, the student radio station. He's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of y'all. I, I like y'all stuff. And he was like, well, I know if you're part of the media, you can't cheer out loud, but uh, be cheering on the inside for the Red Raiders today, won't you? And I was like, all right, that might have been the coolest sentence I've ever heard in my life. Um, and then he just, you know, had a little pep in his step and he started walking toward the sideline and towards Cliff Kingsbury. I was like, all right, that might have been the coolest human being I've ever met in my entire life. And a lot of people are backing that up on social media with a lot of their, you know, stories of Coach McVay and his lasting impact, as you mentioned, Tobias, that he'll have on the football program um, for generations to come. Wouldn't surprise me at all if they name a building or something yeah, after him because sure. he yeah. he uh he had a lasting impact and you know you could definitely tell even just on coach wells he's only been here for 18 months and you know 19 months and coach wells was brought to tears by him this was a guy he saw every day and coach mcveigh had a lasting impact on him and you can only imagine what kind of impact he had on cliff kingsbury and the coaches that you know were ahead of him right i so, agree yeah so we'll uh We'll talk about what Coach McVay wants us to talk about, and that's Red Raider football. And there will be Red Raider football as of right now, this fall, as the Big 12 announced that they will have college football in fall 2020. They're going to take proper protocols with the coronavirus and allow students to opt out if they do not want to play. I should say student athletes to opt out. Tobias, the Jones will be at a 25% capacity rate. And if you look at the numbers, it's a little over 15,000. Um, that's coming from athletic director Kirby Hocutt. Um, you know, Tobias, you were a little uh, pessimistic off of air before we got on talking yeah. about you think that uh, football could stop. And I don't think you're in the minority on that at all. I think you're probably um, in the vast majority that you think football will stop eventually. Um, but good news right now, anyway, for the Big 12 and the Red Raiders. Yeah, I mean, it is good news. I mean, we need – football to play for a variety of reasons, not just our own entertainment, but you know, that's how other schools make their money, you know. Um, it's unfortunate, but you know, some schools, they don't make that much money on campus, like, you know, the other smaller sports. Not saying they're less significant, they just don't make as much money, so they need them to play, because if they don't, you know, scholarships should get cut, um, coaches could potentially lose um, their job, so from a financial standpoint, you, you do need football to play. My biggest thing is just, I want the athletes to be safe. I know you're the same way. Um, Absolutely. If they can find a way to make it safe, you know, sure. It's just we talked about this in our last show. The, the issue is just as a coach, you can't monitor those things because, you know, they're college kids. They want to go out, have fun, party, things like that. And, if you know, I think kids, you talk to coaches, kids are more in tune when they have a structure, you know, a schedule. We're going to practice every day. I'm going to class every day. They, you know, it's structured. When you start giving them more free time, that's when – they start getting in trouble. It's not even just athletes, just kids in general. You it's know, human nature. Human nature. When you're on a strict schedule, you get things done, you're going to be less, you're going to be more productive. You're more likely not going to get in trouble. When you have a lot of free time, that's when things can get messy. No, yeah, absolutely. And you talked about the financial impact. Um, Brett McMurphy from the, uh, from, state, from the stadium, excuse me, uh, just tweeted out not even 10 minutes ago, crazy enough. He said, Iowa AD 
uh, says school anticipates lost revenue of approximately $100 million in an overall budget deficit of between $60 million and $75 million due to the coronavirus and no football this season. Wow. Um, I wonder, because you see what Justin Fields is doing, do you think that he, what he does or what the players say, do they will have any leverage in them playing football? No, the NCAA couldn't care less about the players. I think we all know yeah. that by now. They just don't. You know, the, that, that, if you still have that mindset that the T, or not TCU, my bad. I was looking at the TCU logo on this uh, yeah. Texas Tech football schedule we're about to talk about. The NCAA cares about student athletes. You're absolutely wrong. It's just saving face for them. That's all yeah. it is. They couldn't care less. It's all a money grab for them. They need the money. That's what it comes down to. And, and the thing is, like, people are going to say, well, they obviously care about the students. Look at the Big Ten and the Pac-12. They absolutely do not care about the students. They care about the PR and the negative hit that it would take. And a loss. And a lawsuit. Exactly. That's what they care about. They care about their bottom line. Everything comes back down to money with the NCAA and these conferences. Now, the Big 12 and the SEC, and uh, as well as the ACC, are they taking a risk? Absolutely. Like they're taking a risk right now. You're right, Tobias. This could be shut down right after Houston Baptist, for all we know. You know, it might not even get to Houston Baptist. We don't know. But the thing is, when you look at it, you talked about the money that's lost, right? And that's the impact that I think these other conferences are looking at, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, right or wrong, right? If you believe that students should get paid, they shouldn't get paid, whatever. It doesn't matter at this point. I think it really comes down to the financial aspect of it, to the sense of, you're right, if Texas Tech didn't play football this year, Kirby Hillcutt's already said they take an 80% loss in revenue. That's how important mm-hmm. football is to them. Like, and if you right. take 80% loss in revenue, you're going to lose sports, simple and plain. Yeah, sure. That's just how for it's sure. going to be. Or they're just not going to have the funding to be able to do anything. Like, that's just how it is. I, I really wonder, you know, and let's say, you know, this is all hypothetical and it wouldn't happen, right? Because football's king and if football doesn't happen, other sports aren't going to happen. But let's just right. say hypothetically that Tech doesn't play football this year, but they, you know, go on and they play soccer and volleyball. I wonder what the impacts of not having football would be on their budget for just this year. Obviously, they have mm-hmm. one in place, but would they cut back on things this year because they know mm-hmm. next year they're not going to get the same amount of money? How would that work? You know, it's a risk, but at the same time, it's, it's a risk in the sense of, yeah, you're putting these kids at risk, but the NCAA doesn't care about the kids, and they've shown that time and time again. They just don't care. It's all money for them, and that's just what it is. And, you know, right or wrong um, – I'm not saying Texas Tech is wrong in this regard because good for them. They have an opinion. They had a voice. They, they had a vote, obviously. And if everything from what we heard, Texas Tech said they wanted to play, right? Yeah. Um, good for them. They've obviously done their research. They're well-educated, and they're, they know the risk involved in this. It's Kirby Hokut is not a dumb person. Um, neither is anybody in his inner circle there in the athletic program. So they've done the risk. It's just, in my opinion, when you go to that higher level in the NCAA, they don't care about the kids. Now, every institution below them in terms of, you know, the Oregons of the world and, you know, Texas Tech and, you know, Alabamas and stuff, they care about their kids. Don't get me wrong to an extent, but at the same time, they also have to care about their budget. They definitely care more about the kids than the NCAA, but I I just think, you know, long term, um, I'm really, really interested to see um, if it does have an impact what Justin Fields is doing, because I think it won't personally, because they haven't cared about the students in the past. Why would they care about them now? Um, but 
Also, I wonder how it's going to impact the Big Ten and Pac-12 with recruiting. And also just yeah, does this put them back in the pack? You know, the Big 12 was the laughing stock of the Power Five, quote-unquote, you know. Like, they were definitely last when it came to, you yeah. know, revenue and everything. I wonder if this pushes them forward, you know. People are going to be like, oh, okay, the Big 12 wants to play and they care about their students in the sense of, okay, we want them to play. I wonder if now that pushes them maybe not to third where they are now in terms of just playing um, because they're definitely behind the SEC and ACC. But I wonder if this pushes them forward for more revenue because they're going to have an opportunity at it, unlike the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Yeah, um, that is a good point. What I want to notice is what I don't understand is College football is with a billion dollar industry. Why did it, why is there no you know, president or commission of football? You know, they make too, they make so they make too much money. And it's just weird to me that you're having all these conferences doing their own thing. You have some conferences that want to play, some conferences that aren't gonna play, some conferences are on the fence about it. There needs to be like a governing body or someone over this specifically, like over football specifically, so they can I mean right now it's like it's just chaos. You have power five conferences that aren't even playing. Yeah. Then you have some that are playing. Then you have some that, like, we don't know. It's like you, you can't run a billion-dollar industry and have no boss. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't well, make sense to me. And the thing is, too, I mean, you have the Pac-12 and the Big Ten out, and then you have conferences that aren't in the Power Five. But, like, the Southland Conference, they're literally just playing out-of-conference games this year. That's it. Yeah. And then they're not yeah. having a conference schedule just because they know those games are so important to their athletic programs. Like if they don't have them, they have no athletic program. That's literally all it comes down to for them. And so, I mean, it, it's kind of crazy to see just how everybody's going on the fly. And I wonder because what the Southland conference is doing, you know, they're just playing out of conference games. I, my first thought process was, I wonder if the big 10 is, you know, they're paying close attention to this, obviously. Right. Yeah. I think Ohio State and Nebraska more specifically. Well, what what's to stop, you know, Ohio State and Nebraska to try and schedule just a bunch of non-conference games? Yeah. Or at least Michigan. a few, right? You know, like four or five yeah. and make some revenue. I mean, the the guys want to play. The players do. Um, and, you know, good for them that the schools are looking out for their safety. But, again, it comes back to the NCAA. It's a money grab. They don't care about the players at all. They really don't. Um and I think it's been proven time and time again. One thing that scares me too is just, you know, you have some of these um, smaller conferences. Do they even have the funding enough to consistently test? Because I no. know that's like, yeah. So, so that that's that's the other. That's that's my point. Well, if they don't have the funding to consistently test, I don't know how you tell a parent. Oh yeah, like like for you said, like let's say Ohio State they do do this. Let's say they want to play those smaller conferences schools. I don't know how you tell Justin Fields' mom, yeah, they don't have the funding to consistently test. So, theoretically, some of them could have the virus. We don't know because they, they might not have the money to test them consistently. So, how do, you, how do you even send your kid out there or your kids out there to play? You, I mean, that's a good question. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know. And, and that's the thing. You know, we're, what, basically a month away from this starting up. Yeah, I mean, what shit? What Saturday? The uh, NFL is supposed to start. The first preseason was supposed to be this past Saturday. Yeah, I mean, Texas Tech—it's not even a month. Texas Tech is supposed to start on September twelfth. Yeah, it's not even a month. Like twenty-seven, twenty-eight days, something like that. Yeah, just unbelievable. Um, Yeah, that 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 scares me though. If I'm if I'm a parent, because like I said, they they can't test. I'm not I'm not sending my kid to go like go you know. 
for example, Justin Fields, he's going to be a top 10 pick regardless. There is no what reward is he honestly going to get from playing HBU, Southeast Louisiana. No, it's all and, negative. Yeah, because I'm saying they can't test it. They can't test his opponents. He's going to, like, there's no – I know he wants to play, and I, and I get it, but just looking at it from a health standpoint and just his future, you're, you're not going to get any benefit from throwing 1,000 yards on, on TSU. <laughs> there's no benefit. Yeah, no, they can't even right. test your opponent. Yeah, that BN that's trying to sack you, he hasn't been tested in a month. God knows what he has. You know, is that type- Yeah. Well, and that's not even the thing. Like, let's just say hypothetically, you know, Ohio State is so good. They, they don't get within six feet of Justin Fields, right? But those offensive linemen that were blocking for him, they're going to be within six feet of him. That's the problem is just the spreading. It's a constant spreading of it. And I, right. I, I just – there's so many – there's a lot of flaws in this. Um, but, again, it comes down to I, I get why the Big 12 SEC and ACC are playing. I really get it. But at the same time, man, there's a lot of flaws in this. And I, I just wish um, overall, um, I wish there was a little bit more concrete, um, you know, outlying, uh, outlining, I should say, of, okay, this is how many tests are going to happen, what happens if this happens, so on and so forth. And it was consistent through every conference that's playing. Like, you have to go in there, like you're saying, let's just say Houston Baptist, right, for, in the Southland. You have to follow the protocols of whoever you're playing. So if you're playing, you know, the Big 12 and the SEC, you have to follow and meet those protocols because they're going to be similar, right? Right. So you have to know if you can afford that. If you can't afford it, okay, you're out. Simple and plain. That's just how it should work, in my opinion. But um, it's going to be interesting. You're you're probably, like I said, in the majority in terms of, um, you know, people thinking that football season is not going to happen. I tend to think that it's going to happen one way or another. They're going to make this happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I, I just think there's just too much money involved. And, you know, eventually somebody's going to have to union these guys or be a president or something for it because the voices are just too loud. It's, and the NCAA has proven that they just don't care about them um, at all. Um, yeah. But we'll move on and talk about Texas Tech and their football schedule. They start off with – Houston Baptist, we mentioned them from the Southland Conference, but we don't really need to talk about them. Let's talk about the new schedule in the Big 12 that they released to buys. Really, really different. Um, really different yeah. from what Tech had because Tech was supposed to end the year with OU, um, and now they end it with Kansas, um, at least right now is what it's supposed to be. So let's just run through it real quick. They start with Houston Baptist. Then they welcome UT in two weeks later. Then they go to Manhattan, Kansas. Then they go to Ames. Then they have West Virginia and Oklahoma at home. Then they travel to Fort Worth. Then they welcome in Baylor for the first time in over a decade to the 806. And then Oklahoma State and then Kansas. So what are we looking at in terms of the schedule, Tobias? What stands out to you in terms of the changes? Um, I mean, it's very spread out as far as I'm playing good teams in the conference. So your first four weeks, you play – two teams that are in, projected to finish in the top four of the Big 12 in Texas and Iowa State. You play West Virginia, then you play OU, who's predicted to win, TCU, Baylor, then you play Oklahoma State, who's predicted to finish, what, second or third? I think it's second in the uh, Big 12. They really kind of – they really don't get any breaks in between. You have a you have an easier game, per se, then you have a tough one. Then you have two tough ones in a row. Then you just like – they're not really getting a break, I say, but um, – 
I don't, I don't know. I want to see how this affects them with no fans because, you know, crazy things happen that night in the, in the Jones, but if there's no fans, you know, it's not as rowdy as it can be. I wonder how does that affect the players? Yeah, I, that's the thing. I, I really don't know how it will affect players. And just to make sure I got it right, um, the last time Baylor played in Lubbock, it was 2008. Um, so they have not been to Lubbock in almost 12 years. Um, it'll be 12 years this year when they play. But, yeah, I, I don't know what that's going to look like, honestly. Like, for me, I thought the tech schedule laid out pretty well. And crazy enough, I think the tech schedule now actually lays out better. I don't know if you think that, but personally – I think it's great for tech right now because this is what I think personally, and you can poo poo it all you want and just crap on it, whatever you want to do to buy but you play Houston Baptist, right? That's a good warm up game. That's a preseason. Yeah. You should win. You should win that game. I want to catch one of those Oklahoma, Texas teams early. That's I really fair. do. That's a good point. I really That's a good do. Point. Um, and I want to catch them early at home because you know, you didn't have those spring practices. You know, teams like Texas, yeah, they have those five-stars, four-star recruits, but they got to ease their way in. And, I mean, Texas Tech the same way, but Texas Tech, they did lose quite a few people on the offensive line. Granted, they did lose Jordan Brooks and Broderick Washington, but they kept a lot, and I mean a lot of people on defense this year. And mm -hmm. not to mention, a lot of the weapons are back for Alan Bowman, who was supposed to be healthy. So you look yeah. at that, you, you get your best offensive lineman back in Jack Anderson, Dawson Deaton, took a huge step forward last year and he's going to be the projected starting center. Now the other three spots on the offensive line are a little question marks, but you do have a guy from Wofford comes in as a grad transfer. He's mm -hmm. going to start in Berger. And then you also have a couple other guys that have played. So really Texas tech hasn't lost a lot of key members. You know, obviously Broderick and Jordan definitely are key members. I'm not trying to say otherwise, but they have depth there at those positions, Right. So I want to catch these guys at UT early at home and see how that atmosphere plays at Tech because you got to remember, Texas, they play UTEP early on, so they're kind of in the same boat. Yeah. It's a gimme game, right? So Texas Tech will be their quote-unquote first competition, real competition, I should say. And yeah. I want to catch one of those teams early because maybe they're just not in that rhythm yet. I don't want to catch right. them when it's week four and they've like, they found right. out and they've you know, got all the kinks out. Right. So maybe there's a couple of kinks and shoot, there might be kinks for Texas Tech, too, for all I know. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I will take my chances with finding those kinks and, you know, maybe having a couple less kinks than UT who has to travel to Lubbock as well early on in the year. That's the first time they have to travel as well. You got to remember that. And we have no idea what traveling looks like at this point with yeah. COVID. Right. We have no idea. They could be coming on a Wednesday for all we know. We, we don't yeah, know how sure. this is going to look. So I want one of those UT teams or Oklahoma early on, and Texas, got it. Texas Tech got it. Um, so I think that's great. Now, Manhattan and Iowa State going to Ames in Manhattan, they, that scares the yeah. hell out of me. It scares the hell out yeah. of me, honestly, because yeah. um, I have no idea what to expect. Again, Texas Tech's first time to go to you know, travel is Manhattan, Kansas, where they don't play, to, play well to begin yeah. with. Doesn't set up well for success. So I'm just running through in my head right now. Probably if we're being realistic and, you know, hopeful to a degree, I would say the first four games, you know, realistically, probably Tech goes one and three. But I probably have them at two and two. I think they win one of those Texas, Kansas State, or Iowa State games. Yeah, I mean, I was going to – I mean, one and three is fair. I would probably have said two and two. I mean, it just sucks because you're playing at Manhattan – then you're going to aim just like, okay, I mean, I don't want to, you know, be negative Nancy here. But you we, suck there. 
historically. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't. You don't play well there. You play West Virginia at home. I, I can see them going two and two, but that October third to October tenth, that that does scare the hell out of me because you, yes. you just you just don't play well up there. No, the great thing is, um, in my opinion, too, I love how the buys are spaced out for Texas Tech this year, mm-hmm. personally, because you look at it, they have a buy after Houston Baptist. You can go back and get the film, and you can work out those kinks. You know what I mean? Before you play UT and hopefully you get an upset. Probably not, yeah. but you have that potential, right? So you can work out those kinks for two weeks, right? Okay, so then you have three, a three-week stretch where you play UT, Kansas State, Iowa State. Again, you probably go 0-3. That's what most people would say. I think you probably go 1-2. and two. Um, Maybe that's me being hopeful. But then the best part is you get a bye week after you go to Ames and you get to work out kinks before you have West Virginia yeah. and mm-hmm. Oklahoma come in. That is huge because you get to do it at home. You don't have to travel that next week off of a bye. So you are legitimately, when you get back, let's just say you get back October 11th, you are at home from October 11th till November 6th. You are basically in the 806 for a month straight. Yeah, that is huge. That's huge for any kind of coach, especially when you didn't have a spring practice or anything. Yeah, what interests me the most is you know we're gonna see football in December. It's gonna be cold as hell in Olympic. I want to see like, are we gonna see snow? Are we gonna get like, what are we really gonna see in December? Like December fifth, we play Kansas. What are we gonna see December fifth? Yeah, it's gonna be snowing. I want to mean thank God we're not going to um, Lawrence to play them up there because I said we we probably lose that game because it's gonna be super cold up there. I mean, it's so weird to me. Like, this year, like, I'm looking at it. So, there's 11 games. I think probably most people would probably say Texas Tech is going, like, three and eight, I guess. You know, if you're projected to finish ninth in the Big 12, I would guess that's what it is. And then Kansas goes probably two and nine or whatnot. That's what I would guess. But I'm looking at it, and I think the schedule just, like, really works out, you know. And I think this all comes down to one big factor, too, is – the quarterback position. Does Alan Bowman stay healthy? And if Alan healthy. Bowman stays healthy, we've seen it. He's six and five as a starter. He hasn't gotten to play great competition, but when he got to play OU, they were winning. You yeah. know, Kyler didn't look great, but at the same time, they were winning against OU. Um, so for me, when I look at this, and this is, you know, what's today's date? It's the 17th. This is subject to change before September yeah. 12th. Right. I love how it sets up for Tech. So I think Houston Baptist is a win. I'm not going to say Texas is a win, but I do think they win one of those Kansas or Iowa State games. So they're two and two. I think they split West Virginia, Oklahoma. That's three and three. I think they split TCU and Baylor. Baylor. So we're at four and four now, right? Did I do the math? No, I did the math wrong. Now you're at four and five. I'm sorry. Four and four. Four and five. And then I think they split Oklahoma State and Kansas. So I think they go five and six right now. But again, yeah. when I say five and six, that could easily mean they go, you know, four and seven. Yeah. But what I want to see, I mean, back half of the schedule, you know, they're playing a bunch of teams with a lot of uncertainty. You know, TCU, a lot of guys left on that defense. Baylor, new coach, new quarterback, a lot of stuff is, is left. Um, OU, they'll be in sync, I'm sure, by week, what is it, week five, week six. But they're playing teams at the back half of the schedule. They don't really know what they have right now. Yeah. You know, they're playing teams with new quarterbacks, new defensive players. You know, TCU just seems like everyone on their defense got drafted. So, I wanted to see if that plays into their favorite or just about, you know, just the uncertainty right now. Yeah, and I mean, who knows, by Halloween when they play OU, there might not be football. You could be right. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, for me, when I just look at it, there's a lot of what-ifs about Texas Tech, and I'm probably taking the, you know, positive approach. I've done it before, especially last year. 
Um, God knows that. But I really think this sets up really, really well for Texas Tech because the thing is, look, they play Baylor on November 14th, then they have a bye week before they go to Stillwater. That's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying mm-hmm. – I'm not going to predict an upset, but it's possible. I mean, shoot, look what happened last year – or two years ago. I'm sorry. Look what happened two years ago in Stillwater when Tech went up there and they beat them on a Thursday night. I mean, it's possible for this to happen. Now, I mean, I'm not going to predict it, like I said, but I really think the schedule really lays out well for Texas Tech. It's just kind of will it actually happen due to COVID. Right, right. All right, we'll move on. We mentioned the 25% capacity rate for Jones AT&T Stadium. Um, For more information on that, I would definitely just contact Texas Tech. Be on the lookout for those emails. Um, About 15,000. I don't think there's going to be season ticket holders this year. Um, From what I understood, it looked like they were going to do mini game packages, but that's subject to change and um, be on the lookout for that. It's definitely coming up. I mean, shoot, we're what, 27 days away, did you say, Tobias? Yeah, roughly about. There we go. So we'll move on to the last topic. We talked about the positives and negatives of the Texas Tech football schedule. No fall championships in the NCAA this year. So it's just going to be conference play. Um, or I guess not just conference play, but there will be no championships like, you know, the tournament for volleyball or anything like that, or the NCAA tournament for soccer. Um, Volleyball has been one of those programs that looks like it's on the upswing. Looks like it kind of plateaued a little bit potentially, but at the same time, a lot of potential there with some of the people that uh, coach Tony Greystone and Morgan Thomas have brought in and then soccer. I mean, People, I, I don't think people realize how great this soccer team has a chance to be this year. Oh, yeah. No, you, have, really good. you have Kirsten Davis coming back, but you also have Allie Griffin and Jade King coming back. Yep. I mean, you have, you know, your top goal scorers from the past three years on this roster now. I mean, that's insane when you look at it. So, I think when you look at Texas Tech soccer, there's a lot of positives. Now, the one negative is they won't have a chance to go to the NCAA tournament again under Coach Stone, which I think, honestly, if they uh, had the chance this year, this might be the best chance they have to, you know, get to that Sweet 16 again. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Like you said, they have a lot of people coming back. Uh, Madison White's coming back. You got a uh, Hyatt's coming back. You have a Charlotte Teeter. I mean, a good part of this team is uh, coming back, and I think, I mean, they're favorite to win the Big 12 for a reason. I mean, we talked about this last year on the last game. We thought that this, this coming team, this year's team, would be special, and um, – I trust, I trust Coach, and I think they're going to have a really, really good team. Hopefully they can you – know, we'll have some certainty or some more stability towards the end of the season so we can really see these girls play. But I like this team going forward. It kind of sucks that we won't get to see them um, in the tournament because I, I truly believe mm-hmm. that if they were in the tournament, they'd have a chance to go to the Sweet 16. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, with all these historical soccer programs, it's hard to say they go past the Sweet 16. But, um, I mean, shoot, Coach Stone is – getting his name up there as one of the best soccer coaches already in the country. And he's built this program that was in shambles before. Um, I mean, shoot, when Coach Stone showed up, I mean, this program was non-existent. Um, yeah, they're playing, they're playing at the rec, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, Coach Stone has really brought this program up from the depths of, this sounds bad, but basically nothing into a national power that, you know, girls from really big soccer clubs in their high school ranks are coming and playing here at Texas Tech. And they're succeeding. The yeah, and then they go all over the world. I mean, Janine Becky from Canada. You're getting girls from Australia. You're getting yeah. girls from New Zealand. You're getting girls from literally everywhere across the planet. And they're winning. It just kind of sucks that we won't get to see what arguably could have been one of the best teams in program history, you know, yeah, have sure. their chance in the, you know, fall championships. 
what I, I want to see is, you know, coaching this year is going to be very, very tough because, you know, certain things just can't happen. So I want to see, I mean, what are how the coach is going to be able to manage, you know, egos, expectations, you know, making sure the team's not too high, not too low, maybe find that medium because, you know, it's just this team's, this team's going to be great. But, you know, unfortunately, they're likely not going to be able to experience, you know, certain things. So I want to see what type of job all these coaches have to do because it's just, it's just hard this year. You know, it's hard to tell your team, especially they're going to, they know they're going to be really good and they play the way they're supposed to. You know, it just kind of sucks. You're not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. So I want to see what how all our coaches and just coaches all across the country handle that. Yeah, I think, you know, this year for Texas Tech, the Big 12 championship is your national title. Yeah. Simple and plain. If you win the Big 12 championship, you set out for your goal this year. I mean, that it, it's Big 12 championship or bust for them. Um, right. That's just how it's going to be. You know, when you have Jade King, Allie Griffin, and Kirsten Davis up there attacking, I mean – that might be the best threesome of the, on an attack that anybody has in the Big 12 right there. Yeah, and I agree. That, that's a crazy attack right there. And then they also get most of their back line back. Amanda Porter, in her first year as a defender, had some iffy moments, but she also came on strong. Remember, she transferred from Arizona and was Arizona's leading goal scorer as a forward. Mm-hmm. And then Coach Stone got her to come to the 806 and moved her to defense. You already mentioned mm-hmm. Cassie Hyatt. I mean, you got, uh, my goodness, Penelope in the middle, the freshman from Canada, from Canada. I mean, there's so many talented girls on this team and it's loaded. And I mean, the recruiting class they brought in seven new girls. I mean, there's girls from the Juco ranks that were the number one Juco player in the country, you know, in terms of goal scoring and they won Juco national championships or division three national championships. I mean, this team is absolutely loaded. As you mentioned, Tobias, it just kind of sucks that we won't get to see them, you know, have a chance to beat the North Carolinas and the Michigans in the tournament and get a little bit revenge um, but it is what it is. And, you know, I, I fully expect this team to come out, be prepared. And again, big 12 title or bust for these girls. Yeah. We're, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, I mean, coach, I know coach, he's a great coach. I mean, hope we can just keep their spirits, you know, high and just be like, you know, enjoy your time to, you know, enjoy this time. Cause unfortunately we're not going to have that much time together because the season is chaos, but hopefully they'll be able to keep their spirits positive and they can just win, you know, all the games. Like you said, big 12 championship or bust. Yeah, maybe we need to get you out there with a, a Baylor zip-up jacket for a little Good. bit of motivation. I'm down. I'm so down for that. <laughs> I don't want to wear Baylor. Though. I don't want to wear Baylor, though. We don't, well, our I mean, old roommate went to Baylor. They're, I don't know. You, you got you to wear, you know, a rival out there or something. Maybe Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, something like that. Pick something else. I don't know. Well, I, don't I mean, like those. UT? TCU. We'll, 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 yeah, I guess we'll find some. I don't, some, some of these schools, you're, you're getting worse as you're going down. I don't know. Well, I can't can, help it. I'm running out of schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair. That is, that's fair. <laughs> I'm running out of schools in the Big 12, yeah, Tobias. But, hey, you got anything else, man, for the podcast? Um, no, no, I think so. I'm just – hopefully they can able to finish the season, make sure everyone's wearing the mask, be safe. Let's not be selfish. Um, and stop complaining about wearing a damn mask. Like, doctors and nurses wear them – 10, 15 hours a day, you're wearing it for five minutes. Just, yeah. just be reasonable. Agree. It's not all about you. Think about others, it's too. Not, it's not – the disease not. is airborne. So that means it doesn't just affect you. I mean, there's other right. things where it goes out and, you know, um, a mask helps prevent that. So definitely wear your mask. Be smart. Think of others. Um, yeah. And, I mean, here at Guns Up Nation, we're trying to wear masks all we can. But it, it's one of those things where the sooner – we realize as a society we need to stop being selfish um, 
the better. And that doesn't just go right. for the coronavirus. That just goes for generations to come as well. So, but for Tobias Bass, you can follow him at Tobias underscore Bass on Twitter. Be sure to go follow his new podcast too on there, The Opinionated Man. You can follow that on iTunes. Yeah, you can go uh, subscribe to that. Good stuff. He talks about the NBA and college basketball. And then I'm RC Maxfield at RCMB323 on Twitter. And be sure to go follow Guns Up Nation on Twitter. We got over 15,000 followers on Twitter now. That's freaking awesome. Um, and then on Facebook, we're almost at 73,000. And then go help us out on IG. We're trying to get to 1,000 on there. So the quicker we get to 1,000, we might just do a giveaway. We'll see what happens. Thanks for so, listening again, to the Guns Up Nation podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those always, of the guys, fan page administrators, podcast hosts, and fans, and do not reflect the opinions of Texas Tech University or its affiliates. We are proud to support Texas Tech, its students, alumni, and fans.